Amen. Well, if school is firing up, that means that the state fair is winding down. Ah, uh, that's what our family's saying too, man. Ah, uh, well, I was thinking back on the state fair, and I was thinking about today, and I was thinking how um, for the last couple of years, I didn't see it this year, but the last couple of years when I was wandering around the fair, I came by the Marines booth. And the Marines had this pull-up station at their booth. And so I went and I asked the Marines one year, I said, well, tell me about this thing. Why, why do you guys have a pull-up station there? Because not too many people were going up to that pull-up bar. And he said, well, what we're doing here is we want to see, we have this thing called the PFT, the uh, Personal Fitness and Training Test, and we want to see who can, who can max out the, the PFT. And I said, well, what does it take to max out pull-ups? He says, 20. I said, that's a lot of pull-ups. <laughs> it's a lot of pull-ups. But there's this part of me that wants to be able to jump up on that bar and max that thing out. I was wise enough to not try it with Pronto Pups and <laughs> London Broils and all this stuff in my stomach in the past. But there is this part of me that says, next year, next year, I want to be able to step up there. I want to be able to, to do that. So here's my plan. Let me see what you guys think of it. My plan is next year we're going to have a blessing of the biceps. <laughs> and so I'm going to come here. I'm going to get all blessed up. I'm going to hop on the park and ride. And then I'm going to go down there. I'm just going to pop those 20 off. Or, <laughs> or I could pray and, right? And, and when I look at the scriptures, oh, we are invited to pray, aren't we? And how many of you believe in prayer, in the power of prayer? And, we, and, and blessing is a real thing. It is something we don't do enough of. We can bless one another. Isn't that true? And the Bible is also filled with so many other practical pieces of wisdom. Prayer is practical. Blessing is practical. It's something we can do that makes a difference. And there's so much else in the scriptures that is practical wisdom that we can apply. You know, and I'm thinking about this fall, and I, and I hope you're joining us in praying for this fall because this fall has so much potential. I am so excited. Next week, we'll talk more about some of the, the specific plans, but I'm so excited for this fall, and I've been praying for this fall. In particular, I, was, I felt it prompted to be praying for the weather, <laughs> so we'll see, because <laughs> we've got plans. But we've got some great plans, and it's so exciting. We're going to have a great new series in here. We've got these great new rooms that were built that our kids are going to be able to move into right out there. We've got this pavilion that's reserved next week, and that's one of my favorite times of the year is to look out, and we're going to have food trucks, and we've got like these giant bouncy trampolines and things for the kids, and, and there'll be food, and there'll be fun. And one of my favorite things to do is to look out that window and seeing all the ages just out there together and connecting and having food and fun, you know, together. So we've got all of these, these plans, and that's just, you know, the first day. We've got all these plans. But one of the things we want to do in addition to pray, then, is to prepare. And so we've been putting together teams. Most of you guys are on, on some sort of team. We've been preparing with content that we're going to be doing, preparing, getting all the resources. And one of the things I want to encourage you to consider is we made up some, some new signs here. I would encourage you to stick one of these in your yard for the next couple of weeks. Um, and, and what I want to say about this, we've done a couple signs here recently. What I want to say about these signs is don't ever feel any pressure to put those out. I mean, one of the things that kept Laura and I from saying yes when they were encouraging us to really consider planting a church is we didn't want to be that guy and that girl who's always like, here's my card. We turn every conversation to the, to the church, right? That is so not me. That is so not us. But I will say this about these signs. If we pray and we, we prepare, God uses things like this. I was at something this week. It was the most amazing backyard party gathering I think I've ever been to. And 
someone, I was just having a conversation with somebody, not trying to swing it towards anything, and someone said, so I've, I've seen these signs around. I'm like, I know about those signs, <laughs> you know? So praying and preparing, praying and doing, faith and works, these things all go hand in hand. And as we now come to the end of the series on anxiety, it's interesting to see that's where Paul brings the whole discussion as well to this whole idea of hearing and putting into practice. For the last seven weeks, we've been digging into a first century letter that was written by a man named Paul. And we discovered Paul had a lot to say about this topic of anxiety. Prayer was one of the things that Paul taught us to do when we have anxious thoughts. He said, ask with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. We were to ask and to come to him. But it wasn't the only practice. It wasn't the only practice that he pointed us to. Paul integrated a number of practices into his own life. And near the end of his letter to the Philippians, Paul said this. This is from chapter 3, verse 17. He said, brothers, join in imitating me. He said, keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example that you have in us. Paul encourages readers to do more than just listen to his words and to pray, as important as those things are. Paul also encouraged us to follow his example. You know where Paul got that? Got it from Jesus. Got it from Jesus. Jesus of Nazareth was the most effective teacher in the history of the world. And one of the many things that Jesus did when he taught, he used parables. Parables. How many of you kids who are with us today were part of Camp ECC? All right? Oh, you even wearing the shirt? Can you stand up for just a second? Yeah, they're easy. You got the shirt on. That's so cool. Yeah, Camp ECC. Thank you very much. So Camp ECC was a big hit. In fact, we had um, one of our parents, one of our elders actually, was saying, so um, Chris, my kids really loved Camp ECC to the point where we were planning to go on vacation and they started crying because <laughs> they were going to miss like something that they were planning to do. And like, no, vacations and Camp ECC, they're both good, you know, kids. <laughs> but anyway, so one of the things they did in Camp ECC is they would have these skits and they actually, the parables, these parables that Jesus would tell, they would put them into skit form. So we thought since the kids are with us, it'd be fun to bring a little Camp ECC here. And so here we go. I'm going to move off to the side, and we've got a skit based on a parable that Jesus taught about hearing and putting into practice. So let me get some of the skit team in place. We've got some very important parts here. We've got some walls. We've got, uh, we got the twister. We've got the uh, rain. And while they're all getting into place, I want to teach you your part because you guys have a part. All right? You ready to learn it? There's, okay, here's, here are, here's how it works. Um, when I cue you, when I specifically cue you and say, and then the audience did this. Here's, here's, you're going to be the storm. So the storm starts kind of softly by rubbing your hands. All right, then snapping your fingers. Here's the rain. And then snapping your legs. All right, there you go. You guys got it. Okay, so when I cue you for that part, that's your part. All right, I think we got everyone in place. Let's do this skit based on a parable that Jesus taught. Here we go. Once upon a time. There lived an Italian stallion named Rocky. <laughs> there we go. Rocky found a solid rock to stand on and began to flex his muscles. He flexed his biceps. He flexed his triceps. He flexed them both at the same time. In that same universe, there was also a girl named Sandy. Sandy Beach. 
right, Sandy was a selfie addict, and she seized the opportunity to take a selfie with Mr. Balboa. And after posting said selfie, Sandy Beach noticed there was a great selfie spot over by a Sandy Beach. And she started to walk down the path towards that Sandy Beach, and Rocky noticed that a storm was coming. Not yet, not yet, yet. All right, here we go. He noticed a storm is coming. So Rocky cried out to Sandy, yo, Sandy, a storm is coming. Sandy replied, a storm would like totes fry my phone, and also... It would get my vintage 1D towel like totes wet. Rocky replied, don't worry about the storm. We can build storm-proof shelters here on this rock. But Sandy replied, rocks are like so hard. And the sand is like so soft. It would be a lot easier to build my house on this sandy beach, Obvi, to which Rocky said, yo, Sandy, easy and wise are two different things. Sandy replied, so is fashion and what you're wearing. Just then, the storm began to approach. The audience rubbed their hands. They snapped their fingers. They slapped their legs. The storm was close. Rocky quickly built his house on a rock. And just in time, the rain pelted the sides of Rocky's house. But they didn't even flinch. Suddenly, a twister appeared and beat against Rocky's house. But because the house was anchored to the rock, it did not fall. Sandy could hear the storm coming her way. The audience rubbed their hands. They snapped their fingers. They slapped their legs. And Sandy quickly built a house on Sandy Beach. And just as she finished building the house, the rain came down. As the soil around the house got soggy, the walls began to shake. Suddenly a twister appeared and beat against the house. And because the house was built on sand, the walls collapsed. Sandy's phone got fried and also her vintage 1D towel got like totes wet. The storm began to pass. The audience slapped their legs. They snapped their fingers. They rubbed their hands. And then all was still. And the sun came out, spreading light and good cheer across the land before setting in the back of the room. Rocky turned to Sandy and said, Yo, if you listen to what Jesus says and put his words into practice, you will build your life on the rock. And with that, Rocky flexed his muscles a few more times before jogging off into the sunset. And as the cast took a bow and followed Rocky off stage, the audience applauded wildly. Now, the only danger in doing this is next year for Camp ECC, you all are going to want to volunteer. <laughs> and uh, it'll just be me and Jason and a couple others in here. Well, let me give you these words. The source material for this skit comes from Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 25, where Jesus says these words. He says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man or wise woman who built their house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. 
Isn't this the life we long for, right? Where we are so centered and we're so anchored to that which is true that when the storms come and the anxious thoughts that come with them, we're able to process those thoughts and remain centered and remain focused because we're anchored on the rock. Well, if that is something that you long for, I want to encourage you to take out your green sheets here. I want to encourage you to write this down. Jesus taught his disciples to hear and to put into practice. As I mentioned earlier in this series, I had made a flashcard for the series that we're in. And I took this passage that we've been zeroing in on from Philippians 4, 4 through 9. And I wrote it down, and every morning I'd read it, and every night I would read these words. And it was either last week or this week when I was really focusing in on these words, I noticed something just jump out at me in verses 8 and 9. And what jumped out at me is Paul was saying the same thing as he was wrapping up this section that Jesus said all along. Here, here it is. Um, this is from Philippians 4, uh, verse, chapter 4, verses 8 through 9. And as we're looking this up, if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to just look it up. And you can see it right here. Um, I would encourage you, if, if you don't have a Bible at home, we'd love to send you home with one free today. Each and every week we keep a stack there at that table in the back. We encourage you to, to grab one on your way home. All right, here's what it says. Finally, brothers, sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things and what you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, what does it say? Practice these things. Practice these things and the peace of God will be with you. Sure sounds a lot like Jesus, doesn't it? Think about these things, reflect on these things, hear these things, and then put them into practice. And if you do, there's a, there's a promise associated with that. And the promise is the peace of God. Peace of God will be with you. Well, so far in this series, we've given you seven weeks worth of things to think about. Each week, we've, we've taken a piece of this, and we've got them in bulleted form here in your, in your notes, some of the different things that, that Paul said. And I want to encourage you to write this down in your notes. Paul gave us a lot to think about. Every one of those, every one of those weeks could have been a series in and of itself. Paul gave us a lot to think about. And some of you might be stressing right now, too, because you're like, wait, that wasn't the blank that was next, and did they skip the blank? Was it me? Was it him? Or what's going to happen here? It's all good. We'll come back to that one, so just in case. All right? See, God works all things for good. It's all good. All right. Uh, so um, what I'd like to do, though, before we get on, go all the way back to that one that we just skipped over, I want to just talk briefly about where we've been, briefly about where we've been. One of the things that we discovered very early in this series is that science is catching up with Scripture. Science is catching up with Scripture. And we've been recommending some outstanding resources throughout the series. We printed them there in your notes. There's some great books. And what those books do are, is they have an extended discussion about things that the Bible's been saying for 2,000 years. They're just they're taking it deeper. They're taking it to, to places that, that the Scripture doesn't. It, they're, they're, they're taking this, these principles that were there all along and they're having an extended discussion about them. And it's so good to do that. So good to do that. So many of those best practices in those books are, again, what the Bible's been teaching us for more than 2,000 years. And we've covered a lot of ground. We've covered a lot of ground as we've, we've been together over the course of these seven weeks. And there's so much more that we haven't even gotten into yet. And that's what the next section in your notes has. I encourage you to write this down. We'll continue to give you more to think about as we journey together. 
you know, over the next months, over the next years, we're going to be diving into sections of the Scripture that, that will continue to have things that could help in this area of anxiety. We might be talking about a different topic or focal point, but these are things that can help with this topic that we've just been in. And I put some bullets there, too, of, of some thoughts like that, like the importance of establishing priorities and majoring in the majors. One of the things that can really help us when it comes to anxious thoughts is to just not worry about everything, but to focus on the main things, on the main things. Another is this whole idea of creating margin, especially in time and finances. If you try to go at the pace of life that all all the people around us are going at, you're going to be so stressed out because we can't do that. One of the resources that in, in your notes there, they said, you know, we were designed for camel pace. And we don't live in a camel pace world. And so part of it is creating, creating margin, creating margin. Another one, observing the Sabbath and other cycles. There's a reason why God said every seven days, take a day off. There's a reason why the Hebrew day begins with night, with rest, instead of with the day. And we can, there's so much we can, we can learn and so much we can, can um, experience differently if we put these things into practice. Another bullet I put in there, the importance of pursuing integrity. Integrity is so related to anxiety. I put a little phrase that I would love to mine deeper sometimes. I put, sometimes there's a blurred line between our conscience and our anxious thoughts. Sometimes anxiety is really your conscious. Sometimes telling you, hey, you're going down a path that you don't want to be going down. Another bullet I put on here, the importance of getting outside and unplugging. Can I get an amen to that one? Some, we should, we should sometimes we should do a series on, you know, in the Psalms, it talks about the heavens declare the glory of God. There are so many lessons that we can learn. And one of them is the whole idea of God's got this. He's got this. If we align with his purposes, his principles. We were just watching a, um, a show called Alone the other, uh, last night. And one of the guys, he, he, it's like a survivalist show in the, in the wilderness. And one of the guys said, don't try to fight nature. You're going to lose that battle. Right? You've got to learn to work with it. And so what are these things in that God is revealing? What is he revealing through his creation? The, a quote that I came across yesterday when I was reading, it says this, the world is the theater of God's glory. Isn't that good? Theater of God's glory. And if you ask America, the average American spends 95% of their time inside. We're missing out. All right. And then the last bullet I have, there's another one. We, this is a whole other topic that in the future I want us to drill deeper into. We've touched on this in the past, but we've never done a deep dive into the idea of spiritual warfare. And the reality is sometimes, sometimes, deliverance from anxiety is a prayer away. Sometimes it is. Learning how to speak to powers and principalities that are in this world. You know, So there's all of these different things. All of these can help. There's so much out there. There's countless things that we can put into practice that can help next year be better than this year in this area. Countless things we can do to help us become better at processing anxiety and fear and worry. But knowing these things, knowing these things only helps if we do what? If we put them into practice. Knowing these things only helps if we put them into practice. And I heard one pastor talk about one of the things that keeps many of us from putting these things into practice. And he began by putting a word on the screen. And here's the word he put on the screen. He put the word pride. 
on the screen. Then he asked the question to the congregation. He said, what is at the center of pride? And then he did this. He highlighted the I. thought, that was clever. And then he got even cleverer, and he said, what about anxiety? What's at the center of anxiety? And then he had the team highlight the letter I. And I thought, that was really clever too. It's incomplete, <laughs> because how many of you know there are all kinds of sources for anxiety, and it's not just pride. I mean, you know that. There, anxiety is very, very, very complex. And there's not a one-size-fits-all with everyone. But his point is well taken in the sense that for many people, what keeps you from getting help is often pride. And that can take many forms. Pride can take the form of, I have an image to keep up. And one of the things we talked about very early in this series is how there are people who who identify themselves as Christians, and they, they shame people who are experiencing anxiety. And they shame them, and they're like, well, if you just had enough faith, and if you didn't have sin in your life, and all this kind of stuff. First of all, show me an area in our life where we don't have sin. <laughs> show, show me anything, even our most noble intentions, that aren't somehow at least tainted by sin. You, you will not eliminate it, right? But also, I would encourage that these, these folks to just to dive deeper because anxiety is, is a response to a stimulus, right? And so the, the whole idea of not feeling like I have, to, I have to have my life all together or something, I've got to put up this image. We've all got our stuff. We've all got our stuff in these different areas. And for us to just go, we don't have to put up pretenses. Let's be honest. Let's come together. Sometimes pride can keep you, can keep you from getting help. Another form that pride takes is more the classic form, and that is the form of I've got this. I don't need help. I've got this. Man, we can all benefit from help, can't we? From listening to others. And then another form that pride takes is the form of, of this. It's a form of believing that something that actually could help you can't help you. That's actually, there's, a, there's pride in there. Where if there's something that could help you, but you're like, no, that can't help me because you're not even open to listening to it. Or I've tried that before. That can actually be a form of pride that can keep you from getting help. All right, so let's now let's circle back to that set of blanks that we leapfrogged over. And here's what I encourage you to write down. Real hope and healthy humility go hand in hand. Real hope and healthy humility go hand in hand. There is real hope for people who are willing to humble themselves enough to ask for help. There's real hope. And I was reading Philippians one final time for this series, and I noticed this. I noticed that Paul's letter to the Philippians contains the longest section on humility that I can think of in the entire Bible. And so I was thinking about this, and I was thinking, okay, Paul spends more time kind of unpacking anxiety and a response to it in Philippians more than any other part of the Bible that I can at least think of. And then he does that with anxiety, and he also does that with humility. I wonder if these two are related. So I, I dug into this section. It's found in Philippians 2, verses 1 through 11. And I dug into this a little bit more, thinking, is there some connection here between humility and what Paul later says about anxiety? And I came across something I had never considered before. 
I'm excited to show you guys this. Maybe you've all noticed this before. I'd never noticed this before. Okay, so let's start by, by looking at, at what Paul writes in Philippians 2, verses 1 through 11. He says this. If there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in a full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Having this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. All right, so I was reading this. Now, there's all kinds of directions we can go on this, isn't there? There's a lot to mine. But here's what stuck out to me in response to anxiety and what we've been talking about in this series. After reading this passage, I pulled out seven of my go-to Bible study resources. Pulled out seven. And all seven pointed something out. All seven. That rarely happens. All seven pointed out that if you read this passage in the original Greek, Paul appears to be quoting the poetic lyrics of a song, especially in verses 6 through 11. He's quoting a song, either a song that he had written or a song that he knew or kind of a combination of the two. This is such a widely recognized belief that you'll hear this section of Scripture referred to as the hymn of Christ or the Christ hymn. So, here's the thought that popped into my head. Paul is writing to Christians in the city of Philippi. When Paul went to the city of Philippi, before he was writing to them, when he went to the city of Philippi, he tried to help out this slave girl. In fact, he did help this slave girl. And as a result of this good deed, he got thrown in prison. When he was in prison, he and Silas prayed and they what? Sang. They sang. Is it at least within the realm of possibility that as Paul is reflecting on his experience in Philippi, in that prison, and he's writing to these believers in Philippi who are facing all kinds of challenges, is it possible he quoted that song that he sang with Paul or with Silas? Is it at least within the realm of possibility that he quoted this song that gave him hope when he was in that prison and he was singing of, okay, Christ trusted the Father. He was obedient even unto death, even unto death on the cross, knowing that God could work all things for good, right? And this, and this reminder of Christ humbled himself. Is it possible that Paul was passing on the very thing that he did, the very thing that he put into practice as he was writing to these believers in Philippi. That is cool. We don't know if Paul was quoting that same hymn that brought him peace on that day. What we do know is that all these things we've been learning from Paul 
These are not things he just talked about. This is not just theory for Paul. These are things that he practiced in his life. He practiced in his life. This is hard-won, spirit-inspired wisdom. The very power of God is at work in these things, especially in authentic community. And that's why when Paul wrote this letter to the Philippians, and he he looked at that community because he knew them, that's why he was able to write with confidence to these people that they wouldn't be the same a year later. This is a community of believers who had the faith and the humility to not just hear what Paul had learned from God. They were committed to putting it into practice, which emboldened Paul to write these words, Philippians 1.6. He was able to say to them, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Well, if you or someone that you care about is living with anxiety, and you'd like to experience more peace a year from now, I want to encourage you to take Paul up. Take Paul up on his spirit-inspired promise that what you have learned and received and heard and seen in Paul over the course of this series, if we practice these things, the God of peace will be with you. Well, here's the last blank, very last blank of an eight-week series. It's been a long time in coming. This might be the most important at all. I encourage you to write this down. What's your next step of faith? I've had extra time (laughs) to be able to think about that myself, and I wrote down a new card that I'm going to be looking at every morning, I'm going to be looking at every night. That's for me. I don't know what your card is for you or your next step is. You know, for some of you, I could see the way you're nodding when I'm saying, man, some of us are just going too fast. We can't do it. We just can't do it. We just can't go at this pace that a lot of people call us to. So for some of you, your next step might be, where, how can I simplify? How can I simplify? For others, it might be specifically in finances, where you are stretched so thin and over and over and over again, you're coming up against those, those challenging spots. For some of you, it might be, I need to step out and get some help so that I'm feeling more peace financially. For some of you, it's relationships. Either relationship that you know You've got some work to do to try to bring reconciliation so that tension's not there and that stress isn't there. For some of you, it's, it's maybe a group of friends that you need to, or a single relationship that you need to back out of because there's just no way to navigate that thing and not have that kind of anxiety. For many, you've heard me on this before, for a lot of us, it could be taking a social media break and coming back to it with some better boundaries around that. For some, it might be scheduling a doctor's appointment and finding out, is there something with my body chemistry that I could use right now, that I could use some help to get me to a place where I can begin to recover? It could be meeting with a counselor. I don't know what your next step is, but we all have one. So I would encourage you to consider what is your next step. And I encourage you to do that today. I encourage you to do that today. Because next week... We're going to start focusing our attention on something that we are really excited to do, and that is this book of Acts. And one of the things that I didn't stop to consider as we were putting this all together was that there was a guy who wrote the book of Acts who was there in Philippi with Paul. The man who wrote, Luke was there in Philippi with Paul. That's why the language goes to we and everything. Take a look in in Acts 16. It's really fascinating. Luke provided an account 
of these new communities that began to spring up, these new communities of faith who did life together. And we're committed to taking a big step as a church to say, what can we learn from them? This movement that changed lives and changed the world. What can we really learn from them? What can we learn from them and put into practice here among us? And not just on Sundays, but in our lives, in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in our places of work, in our schools. That's where we're going next. We truly want this to be a God with us community. And we invite you to, to join us. If you've never opened yourself up to God in a real and personal way, that can happen today. Or if you've kind of been going, doing your own thing, I need this at least once a month to just come back and say, God, am I walking with you? And that's what we're going to do right now. If you can sincerely pray the prayers that we're about to pray, we'd invite you to join us in the sacrament that we call Holy Communion. 